0: What a delight it is to have you here with us today. Happy Labor Day. Um, I trust that today uh, even our laboring here together will be of rest and joy to you. Um, But what a great weekend. Uh, What a beautiful day, huh? Wow, more of these. Hey, uh, this is a special weekend actually here and uh, beyond here for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons is a special... uh, Sunday here is uh, one of those, is because we're actually starting a new sermon series, and I am thrilled about that. Um, Over the last two years, we have been working to see Jesus Christ big, and we started that on the very first Sunday that we moved in here, because uh, less than two years ago when we moved in here, one of the common things that happens with people just the way we are Oftentimes it ends up being where the thing gets the attention rather than the intention of the one who deserves the attention. And so I have, in kind of my role here, been seeking over the last year and a half to make sure our eyes stay on the right thing. And that is on Jesus Christ. And not only just to stay on him, but to increasingly see him and know him. We began that out in our series through Colossians, where it was see the supreme one, Jesus Christ. We then went into the gospel of Mark, and it was, uh, hey, the supreme one came. Be amazed. Be absolutely amazed. And then out of that, realizing that the one who came, and we went to the book of Revelation just to do some light study, and... So we went to there, and it's really to see the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ as he is today, and to see him and behold him. The supreme one that came is the one of Revelation chapter 1. Know that. Know that. And then uh, we followed that up um, just with some time, and then we talked about, so what does it look like to live uh, for the Supreme One who came and is the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ. And for the last months, we've really been spending that time, what does it look like not to live for Him? And we've been in the, uh, the book of Judges and seen God's people struggling and wavering and just not living for the Supreme One. And um, now, we're out of that. And so now we're taking a turn and we're asking the question after all of Colossians, all of Mark, all of Revelation, all of Judges, we're building off of that and really asking the question, what does it look like to live like He is the Supreme One who came and is now the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ sitting on the throne? What does it look like to live like that? Not, not, not like that, but like that. So we're going to be going there in that, in this time, and uh, our goal is to continue this idea that he is big. But, but actually, as you can see on the screen, kind of with the title of this, he is not just big, but he is big what? Grr. <laughs> okay? Altogether, he is big Okay, so however big Jesus Christ is to you now in your mind, whether it's like, I don't know much at all about him, to where it's like, man, I think I'm really beginning to grasp how big he is. It's not just about being settled there. It's about seeing him big. Okay. (laughs) Tony the Tiger. Bigger. And here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be taking a look, and we're going to see him bigger in my mission Bigger in my daily grind, bigger in my expectations, bigger in my fears, bigger in my death, bigger in my suffering, bigger in my hopelessness. He's bigger in my insecurities. He's bigger in my temptations. He's bigger from my past. He's bigger than my failures. We're going to be taking this from now through November for the next three months. And what we're going to be doing is with each of these, we're going to be grabbing a hold of someone in Scripture to where it's like put flesh to it. And so we're going to be going and we're going to be visiting Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses. We're going to visit Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to visit Job. We're going to visit David. Uh, we're going to visit Ruth. We're going to visit the woman of Mark 14. We're going to visit Paul. We're going to visit Jesus. And uh, we're going to learn what it is to live like he is big. <laughs> We'll get there. You're doing great. Well, when he, today, he's, Winnie is bigger than my mission. Uh, think of today as kind of an introductory Sunday together. Okay, it's it's kind of a what kind of a Sunday? It's an introductory Sunday. That's why this Sunday is a little bit different, and it's different because of where we're going and some special things happening even today, just with uh, welcoming Rick on in our pastoral staff here at the end of the service time here with us. And uh, this is getting us started in this series, and I want for you to think of it that way. I want for us to approach each Sunday to where it's the type of thing to where we come in and we sit, and I mean it that way. I want us to sit ourselves and I want us to rest in and I want for us to see and I want for us to be refreshed and I want for also this to be very practical where you walk out and it's like, oh, I'm seeing what it looks like to live for him when he is not just big but he is bigger than anything else going on in my life at the time. Uh, So we're going to come and sit. But today, it's bigger than my mission. Mission, I love that word, mission. Dictionary says, uh, having an ambition or a purpose. Having an ambition or a purpose. Question, what's your mission? What's your ambition? What's your purpose? I mean, for real. Okay, around here, we're just real. Like, let's cut the games, cut the image, cut the playing church. Let's be real about it. As you look back in the last week and last month, and what really is our purpose? What is your purpose? What is your mission? What's going on? By the way, also a definition associated with the word mission is, I love this, a special assignment. A special assignment given to a person or a group. I mean, does that not sound Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne? I love that. And so it's kind of like this, hey, in life, what's your special assignment? If we really believe that there is a supreme one who came and is the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ, blow our minds by how big he is, how does that really, I mean, for real, I mean, not just in theory, not just in talk, not just in thought, but for real, how does that drive what we do? How does that drive our assignment for life? What is your purpose? What has been your special assignment? I want your help here on this. If you're an on-the-street reporter and you were just to go out and have a microphone and ask people and just go, hey, uh, uh, what's your special assignment? What's your mission? Okay, just out on the road, anyone, okay? Don't get all spiritual on me here, all right? Just be real. Okay, what would anybody, any Jane, John Doe, what would they say? You throw out some here and then I'm coming over here. What are some... Make money, absolutely. What else? Raise kids, kids, have a family. Be happy, happy, absolutely. Okay, come on over here. What are some things to add? What? Retirement, (laughs) absolutely. Be successful. successful. Yeah, love people. Yeah, have a good job. By the way, all of those are good things. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with having a job. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with family. There's nothing wrong with happiness. But, but here's, here's what I want for you to note. Think of this. Every one of those missions, every one of those is saying this. I don't have it. I want it. It's always a going to get something. Every one of them, i call it this, every one of them are positional accomplishments. I want to get to a place to have retirement. I want to get to a place of happiness, by the way, whatever that means. I want to attain this. I want to get that. Listen, I want to tell you, it is a tiring life that way. It is an exhausting life that way. When it's always going to attain, to attain, to attain, just a little bit more, I gotta get, I gotta get. Every mission of man is a positional seeking of an attainment item. And it's exhausting. What if it was all upside down and backwards? What if, follower of Christ, by the way, most followers of Christ are doing the same thing. We are working to get, what if, it was upside down and backwards, and what if, it actually is all about, you have What if it was actually all about this whole idea of that when you come to that place or you receive Christ as your Savior, drive the stake in the ground, realize you're a sinner separated from God, receive Christ as your Savior, and you are redeemed in Christ. What if in all of that, the reality is upside down from everything that we see here and generally do ourselves? What if it was actually you have, now go. Go. What if it was actually rather than going to get, it was go having? You're looking at me like, what? (laughs) Awesome. Then I've set you up perfect. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Normally, in like the Sundays to come, we would actually be going to the book of Ecclesiastes on this subject and taking a look at Solomon and what was Solomon's missions uh, trying to attain, and what did he learn out of it? But today, in light of where we're going, I'm starting a little bit different. I want for us to go to Ephesians. By the way, small groups, we're uh, in the book of Ephesians. This is where you're going. Hey, this is, this is uh, uh, prep in advance, Okay? Uh, We're going through the book of Ephesians in our small groups here. And so we're at this. So we're in Ephesians. I want to go to chapter 4. I want for it to read verse 1 and then let's begin. God, I just ask, would you show yourself, help us see you? Because frankly, this has been preparing for this this week. This has been a huge light bulb for me personally. And I just pray little light bulbs will be going all over the place today. Because even though when we come in Christ, we are walking in a battle as though we're like the rest of the world, and it's not that way. So show us you and rest our souls. Name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, we're on page uh, 977 if you're using the Bible in the seat there. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, following Christ's costs, I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Let's work this word by word. Let me start with here. I therefore, I therefore. Uh, What Paul is about to say is built off of something. In other words, what has been said prior now matters to what's being said now. Chapters 1 through 3 matters to what's about to be said. He has something to say in light of the prior sayings. He says, I therefore, I therefore urge you, by the way, it's not a, uh, you know, it would really be nice if, it would, you know, we would be more buddies if. It's, it's, it's not like a, I suggest, it's, it's the Greek, it's the word urge, it's, it's I exhort you. It's, it's kind of like a very gracious command. There's an intensity behind it. He's writing to people that he loves and he is saying like look at me look at me i am urging you exhorting you i'm calling you to something so there should be a sense of that urgency in us like what like what like what i therefore i urge you to what to walk i urge you to walk that's interesting not sit not sleep not stand it's also not run it's not sprint it's not race, but walk. It means to move, to move toward, to progress, to advance. It's a, in the Greek, it's a present active indicative. That means it's, it's a continuous action. It's not like, well, I walked once. I walked yesterday. Karen and I were walking last evening. It's, he's not saying, you know, I'm glad that you walked once. He's saying, no, 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 I urge you to be continuously walking. walk, 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 walk okay? It's not a moment in time, it's a presently and a continuously idea. I, therefore, I urge you to walk. Think of it, if we were to say, hey, uh, all in Christ, uh, don't do this, just picture with me, all in Christ, stand up and walk. It would kind of be chaos. And yet you would be saying, but I'm doing what you're told me to do. I'm saying because we would have people like walk that way and walk that way and walk this way and some would walk faster, some slower, some would just like bump into each other and others of you would be like, this is really dumb, okay? And others would think this is awesome and we would just have all that going but it's not just walk and just like go anywhere. However, look at the text, I urge you therefore to walk in a manner, in a manner. There, there's, there's a manner of walk. It's not just walk, it's, no, there's a manner of walking. What kind of a manner? It says it's a worthy of manner. Wait, wait, wait. I'm to walk in a worthy of manner. There's something that I'm to be walking in that is showing uh, appreciation for, that is showing a proper fitting of. In other words, something's taking place. I'm not seeing it here, but I'm to walk in a manner that's worthy, that's fitting with that, that that matches with that. that, 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 that. Let's keep going. Uh, Worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Uh, So we're to walk in a manner worthy of the called calling. By the way, it's really important to notice this, and I'm going to be pressing this here in a little bit. It's not a call yet to come. It's a call that's been called. Actually, I believe what he's referring to here is what we're going to go to in just a minute. That that, that when in Christ, there is a sovereign call to salvation that has taken place And you have been called into that. And in that, it's walk worthy of that. It's not a future call. It's a actually built out of what's taken place call. And we're going to go there in just a second. Walk. Walk. So what am I supposed to do in my relationship with Christ? I mean, I mean, I got to accomplish, I got to attain, I I've got, I've got to like, you know, I've got to stack it up, mark it up, show it up. I've, I've got to be able to show it that that that. Hey, chill out and stop thinking like the world, and just know this. What am I supposed to do? What's God's will for me? Walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the called calling on you. So what does that walk look like? Here's the cool thing. The text actually tells us. But um, before we keep going, we have to go back. We have to grab a hold of the therefore because otherwise we're going to make the rest an attainment move, but it's not. Let's just go back for a few minutes here and go back to chapter 1 and actually look at verse 3. It says, "'Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ.'" You go down later on and it talks about at the end of verse 14 to the praise of his glory. There's a glorious thing going on here. It's a vertical glorious thing going on here. Something is about to be said that brings great glory to God our Father and the Son and it's a glorious thing here. Uh, by the way, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is really important. Who has? Well, is that future tense? No, that's past tense. That means that he is about to say something that has taken place. And by the way, Paul is writing to believers in Ephesus. This is written to believers in Christ, and he's telling them, listen, there is something that is a blessing going on, that is a blessing of the Father that go- is going on, and he's already done it. He's al- you don't have to attain it. It's already done. Let's look at these and build these out, because these are absolutely awesome. What is it? Verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ blessed. Blessed. I like blessing. Do you like blessing? I love blessing. And do you realize this? The Supreme One who came, who is at the right hand of the Father, do you realize that the Father of the One who is the Supreme One who came and is at the right hand of the Father, that He has blessed you when you come to Christ? Now, this, would, like, th- this is the time when I really would appreciate and love to be in an African-American church right now. Because this is the point in time when we're going to move here. And I'm a bit jazzed up. And we're going to move here a little bit. And this is the time to get a little bit Going. All right? Do you realize, those who have come to know Christ, that the Father, that the Father through the Son through the Spirit, do you realize that when you came to Christ, God the Father, not me, not someone else, not someone with authority, but like the one with all authority, blessed you? Absolutely, and it's just starting. And I expect more. Okay, he has blessed you. Verse four, he has chosen you. Wait, but Doug, are we going to get into that whole debate? No, here's why. Because the text says it. Do we need to? Oh, by the way, in the other text where it says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And guess what? The text says that. And I'm great with that but I can't fit them together. So what? The text says it. God can make them work. And do you realize this? Maybe God's choosing plan looks different than the kickball plan out on the playground. Like, you're better than him. I want you. I chose you. So that's what he's talking about. Maybe God's design of that is completely blow your minds different than that. Can't stay there. He has blessed you. He has chosen you. Fifth, verse five. He has predestined us. Oh, can't get away from that. He has predestined us for adoption. By the way, do you realize it's not just the kind of thing where he's like, blessings on you. And then he's like, you know what? Choose you. And we can't even comprehend that. It's not just that. Adopted. Do you grasp that, men and women, that point in time when you come to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are an adopted child of God the Father. And along with that, verse seven, we have redemption. You've been redeemed. You have been pulled out of uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, dead to sin, to redeemed, re- adopted. You are now a child of God the Father. Oh, by the way, it gets better. Verse 11, and we have an inheritance. That's cool. Inheritances are cool. And the bigger, the better. And I say that because of this. There's no bigger than that. And you can have all the stinking money in the world. You can have all the this in the world. You can have all the that in the world. But I am telling you, that inheritance is not like any career, like any job, like any bank account, like any 401K. This one is the cream, the crop inheritance. And if you have come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have it. And then also, it doesn't stop there. Verse thirteen: You have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, sealed like wrapped up, boom. Sealed, not just good housekeeping seal. The Holy Spirit of God, third person of the Trinity, coamo sealed. You have that. And there are times where you and I are like, oh man, God just must want to so dump me, get so sick of me. Uh, he must just want to just throw me away. I just like, uh, you know, if you struggle with the loss of your salvation, come on, stop it. Listen, look at this. You have been sealed by the Spirit, not by your own mind. You have this, everybody. If you are in Christ and you have received Christ, these are not to come, you have. You don't have to pursue after them. But do know this, if you don't know Christ as your Savior and you have not received Christ as your Savior, you don't have these. And out of this, the call would be, go get these. And that's simply by realizing you're a sinner separated from God. And realizing that Jesus Christ has died for your sin and receiving Him as your Savior and walking that way. Oh, that's what we just talked about. But know this you have these. If you are in a hard time of life right now, there should be something even within you that is just stirring, that even in the heaviness of life, that just stirring within you, that it's like, oh my goodness, even in the heaviness of life that's going on, oh my goodness, in Christ, I have that. And by the way, it's all to the praise of His glory. This isn't the kind of thing where you go, "Aren't I awesome?" You look at it and you go, "Isn't He awesome?" Because none of us deserve any of. friend, it doesn't end there out of chapter 1, because here's what's so intriguing. Small groups, you've not just finished chapter 1, and I would term it this. Beginning half of chapter 1 says this is what you have. This last week of small group, Paul is saying, after saying what you have, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you get that. No, no, I am praying that you grasp that. Do, do, do you see? That should give you and I hope. Because there's a reality here when Paul says, you have all this. And then he moves right in, coming out into uh, verse 16. And he's like, uh, uh, I, I'm praying for you in these things. It's because we have a hard time grabbing a hold of these things. Be encouraged by that. You have a hard time grabbing these? I have a hard time grabbing a hold of these. But know this, Paul just says, oh, I'm praying that you grasp it. And that's what we're trying to do here in this series. We're trying to grasp what we have so that we can see how to live that out. And Paul prays that. But but then in chapter 2, just a few things. Oh, I got to move. Chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead. But then verse 4, but God, in his great mercy and love, look at verse 5. Here's something else. You have been made alive. By the way, that's just not, well, I am alive. No, no, no. This is talking spiritually alive because he said in verse 1 of chapter 2, you're spiritually dead. We all start there because of sin. And then here we have this. You have been made alive, friends. Verse 6, and, and, and he, he, he raised us up, and he seated us with him. Let me try that again. Because I don't think that's quite computing through here, and I realize I've had all week to, to work this. I'm telling you, my mind's just blowing. Not only did he make you alive spiritually before him and redeemed you, But he raised you up and he has seated you with him. I am telling you, there is no boardroom seat, presidential suite, leader seat, anywhere that's like that seat. And if you are in Christ, you have it. You have it. It's not coming. You have been. And then he he keeps on going. Verse 8, you have been saved. That's past tense. You don't have to be like, am I saved today? Will I be saved tomorrow? Will I be saved the next day? No, 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 you know this. You have been saved. Done. Verse 8, not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of your works. We can't boast about it. None of this being said this morning should be, and I trust is not coming from a place in me proclaiming this like, aren't we awesome? This is coming from a place of, oh, my Lord, aren't you awesome? Right? No one can brag about this other than the fact of what he's done. And then verse 10, and we are, this is a great summation, we are his workmanship. If you're like, I'm a piece of work. I agree. In Christ, you and I are a piece of work by Him. By Him. We can't brag about our coming to Him. We can't brag about what's taken place in Him. But we can be stunned by it. And also, I'll note, we can forget it. But you have. If you are in Christ, you have all of this. Okay? Center. If you are in Christ, you have all of that. You, you, you have it. And just, I want to include you guys too. (laughs) If you've come to Christ, you have that. True, thank you. 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 And that right there, that's the kind of thing to where it's like, now what do I do? (laughs) I have that? Did you realize... You don't have to go get it. Chill. Just take it back. Take a seat. <laughs> Seriously. Let's stop trying so hard. And rest in what we have. But, 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 but when we realize what we have what just came out was like but what do i what do i do that's like a rick move right there <laughs> it's like, what do i do true and that's why i therefore Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of. Got it? No, no, not walking in a manner that. Oh, he's going to take it away. Oh, I'm I'm working to 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 earn a little bit more with it. It's in a small font in me, and I'm working for a bigger font in me. You have it, but I don't feel like it. No, you have it. And out of that, walk. There's just times we need to sit. Just stop. Just remember what in Christ we have. Now walk. Do do you see how even when I say that it feels like we have to attain something? That's our problem. That's our problem. Well, let's let's watch us, and we're going to buzz through. Look, let's go back to chapter four. Walk, walk, how? It just says it simply here. Walk, walk in a manner worthy of that. And look, five things here in verses two and three. Walk with humility. I, I don't need to tell you what that means. It's so simple. Walk with humility. Second, walk with gentleness. Third, walk with patience. Fourth, walk with bearing with one another in love. Isn't that interesting? I mean, so it takes work to bear with one another, and the answer to that is? Yeah. (laughs) And fifth, walk with eagerness. Eagerness to do what? Eagerness to maintain the unity. Before we just grab a couple more things here, watch this. All five of those things cannot be accomplished alone. None of those five can be accomplished in aloneness. There is an automatic understanding that the walk when we come into Christ is about a walking, and by the way, the context of this is God's people walking within and among themselves in this and beyond that. And it's to be a walking in humility and a walking in gentleness. You can't do those alone. Well, I can be gentle on myself, I can be humble on myself. No, you can't. (laughs) It requires community, it assumes community. Patience, bearing with one another eagerness to maintain the unity. You cannot do these alone. They require community. It's a context of community with even within God's people and beyond. But first and foremost, it's uh, in the context of God's people even amongst themselves. Now, it, it, it finishes with an eagerness to maintain a unity here. Verses 4 through 6, look at this. Uh, we're told seven ones, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the Father. And there's a time where all of the, the, the descriptive words can can, or, or the, the main words can be talked about, but I want to key in on the seven ones. One, 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 one. There's a one thing that goes on with God that, that, that he loves. Well, that makes sense because the Trinity is three one. And trust me, they've, they've been doing just okay in eternity past. Just the three of them is one. They don't need us. But but yet in it all there's a one thing that goes on, and and, and the Godhead loves this one thing that's going on. And I will just say this: there, there's this idea of like, Doug, just tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. Here's what you're supposed to do: walk humbly, walk patiently, walk uh, gently, walk 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 uh, with one another, bearing with one another, and, and walk in that with an eagerness to maintain the one of that. Walk as one. God loves that. No, 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 no. Doug, which car am I supposed to buy? Who cares right now? We're talking about the priority thing of being a people that are walking in unity uh, toward uh, a oneness of it all. What is God's will for my life? It's right here. Don't miss it. You can do this in Michigan, in Kentucky, I think in Kentucky. You can do it in California. You can do it around the world. You can do it as a stay-at-home mom. You can do it as a working woman. You can do it as a working man. You can do it as a stay-at-home man. You can do it as a successful man. You can do it as a poor man. You can do it as a, you can do any of those. You can do this. What is the will of God for your life? That. That's it. And again, I go, let's chill out. Let's just do this. Could you imagine how the west side of Indianapolis would be rocked out if God's people, even if in just one church, God's people were committed to doing this? Let's just say this. Cut the programs and this. This is God's will for our life. Walking together as one. But a couple more verses, because he goes on to explain some structure with this, and this is where I want to move us and finish us out with. Look at verse 7. He says, but grace has been given, by the way, past tense, to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he says in verse 8, he gave gifts to wait, how how are we supposed to do this? Can we do this? Yes, we can do this because God has grace gifted us to do this. He has given us everything to be able to do this and on top of this, if you will, in walking together in an organized kind of a way, God has even made a plan for it and he's made giftedness and you can go to other passages, scriptures, to talk about the full gifting of various things but here he's keying in on how does this body then walk together? Look at verse 11 in here he talks about, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers. I'm just going to kind of call this, uh, I'm not going to get into the text too far deep today, but I'm just going to say this. He, he's given leaders, he's given unique individuals to kind of come along, that he's grace gifted them to be in these places to do what? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do, do you So it's not just everybody just go walking, but there is an aspect to where God has said, listen, I've grace-gifted individuals to help the unity of the walking together. To, 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 by the way, not do all the walking, but equip the body to walk. Okay, not to do all of the walking, but to what? to equip the body to do it effectively for the building up of the body of Christ, growing in our faith and our knowledge of Him, as the text talks about. Hey, what's your mission? I had to ask my, and that's right, and I'll say this, Yet, I had to this week sit back and ask myself, wait a second, I may say what my mission is, but I have a question for myself. What really is my mission? And so I ask you the same. And this is a callback. Come back, center ourselves. This is the mission. And by the way, you need to know this. The mission is not accomplishing the something. The mission is walking towards him. The mission comes out of seeing Jesus Christ. The text goes on to say that we would have our increasing knowledge of him. Listen, it's not walking to accomplish a bigger church. He'll take care of that. It's us walking together to see Jesus bigger. To see him, we're walking with him along with the one who has adopted us, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has given us all this. This is the one. This is the one. This is the one. Eyes on him and him alone together. And that is the model that changes the world. And yet within that, there's something else here. I'd like to call our pastors and elders up. Let me just kind of talk to all of us here for a second. Um, I'm asking that we would recommit ourselves to being a people in a church that would walk not with our agenda, but with His. Humble, patient, and you see the list. Harvest, I think we want to do that. And let me ask the question Do we want to be that? Let me ask the question, and then, seriously. Will you commit over these next three months to being less about attaining something and more about understanding the position of what you have in Christ and us doing that together? Can we commit to doing that? Will you do that? And on Sundays when we come in here, we're going to rest our souls together. And we're going to look unto the Lord, kind of like the picture is showing and we are going to work at seeing him big, <laughs> okay, and what that looks like to live out in real life, okay? Now, as we do that, I think this with this text, this is a great time for us just to remind ourselves of this. Our doing that includes, as the text talks about, having what we believe from Scripture is... Individuals who are grace gifted to come in and help to do what's what's let me ask you, what's our job? Okay, so you're telling me from scripture that our job is to equip you to do the work because I'm liking that right now. No, is that biblical? Okay. So we aren't about doing all the work. We are to be about equipping you to do all the work. And all God's people said? Yeah. Okay. Seriously. Do do you see what I'm saying, though? Do you see how in your own church experiences, how that isn't the case? How oftentimes, because I was 20 years sitting in your seat as a businessman. And looking and having this idea that they do, they're the professionals of the work. No, we are the, quote, professionals to equip you to be the professionals to do the work. And think about the difference. We can't do a whole lot of work. We're only a number of individuals. But look around and double this. And there's a lot of work. So, I want to ask us elders and pastors, do we commit to being equipping elders and pastors and not the doing of all the ministry elders and pastors? Do we commit to that? We do. And we want you to know that. This is not about putting ourselves on the high. There is no hierarchy. There is a giftedness-archy. Okay? Now we're right now an exciting place to beef up our equipping structure. And uh, our church family knows about this. And So here's right now so you can pictorially understand. Right now for us as a church, the four of us here, Rick and Paul and Larry and myself are serving as elders here at this church and we're looking into turning into next year and having two or three more to add on to that in the next year. But right now this is we're the elders in that. And, and then here from Nick on over, this is the pastor's, pastoral staff. And uh, Pastor Eric is gone on vacation right now. And our job is to equip you for you to do the work. Now, here's what's happened. In this, as the ministry has grown and there's been more of this going on, my eldering role, pastoring role, has been to kind of oversee the staff. And it's just increased to a size where I can't handle it all. I just can't handle it all. I, I don't have the ability, the skill, uh, the time. And, um, and it's kind of killing me. And uh, so we don't want to have that. Um, I don't know, maybe after that you do. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, we don't want to have that. And so we've been working and growing and specializing out more. And, and we need to do one more move with that. And, and so as you know, we've uh, sought to uh, see God's work in having Rick come and join us on staff and so here's what I'd like to show you as a picture of this is so Rick is going to continue to serve as an elder um, but Rick is also uh, going to be serving over here in this kind of thing here to where kind of structurally what's going on is Nick and I all we do is work on this on Sunday no we, we do other things too But in great part, there's kind of an aspect where some of that is uh, being shifted over, and especially from me. And so Rick is in so many ways, I'm thrilled to be able to say, I am going to be working on handing over uh, day-to-day tasks and responsibilities and and, uh, things I don't do uh, over to Rick. And I love you. (laughs) Okay? And uh, and part of Rick's role, while we're, I, I will just tell you, we're all buds, and we all get along, and um, may God continue that, and we will all continue to be involved. But there's an aspect of this as we've grown, to where Rick will be having kind of, if you will, kind of a, a that offensive coordinator. We talked about the offensive coordinator for these five guys who really, I will just say, in so many ways, I think Nick would agree, in so many ways are doing so much of the day-to-day ministry of things. And so Rick is being involved in unifying them and assisting them and cheerleading them and being the offensive coordinator there with them. And uh, we're so excited about it. And um, thank you for allowing this to happen. And this is going to be starting this week as Rick joins the staff. And so I just want a couple words here. Um, Rick, we believe that you... Sorry, I'm the sap guy. We believe that you have been positioned and grace gifted for this role to serve as our first ministry operations pastor. And we want for you to know that you do not enter this position to go get... You enter. You enter this position having. And from that place of having, you go. And you too. And you too. And you too. And you too. And Eric too. And me too. And you too. And you too. And you too. Agreed? And you too. Enter knowing that, Rick. Don't enter to extract for yourself. Enter to equip the body. And walk in a position of humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with us (laughs) and with an eagerness to maintain the oneness. Be that. Eric, or Rick, we provide you with the authority to carry out your responsibilities in humility. That's a statement we use with all of our staff and our leadership. We provide you with the authority to actually carry out your responsibilities in a manner of humility. Will you do that? Yes, I will. And we only expect three things from each of our pastors and elders. We expect you to teach and train your people well. We expect for your people to be well-loved and to feel that. And we expect for you to keep your leader and leaders informed of what's going on. Will you do that? And I know you will. I know you will. This is a big moment here at our church. Because we are not just adding another staff member, but we're adding kind of a new structure. And so for me personally, a lot is being passed off. And I commit to you and to you that I will work to actually pass off. Okay? I commit that to you. And the Lord is going to do a work. Right? Okay. Hey, uh, Rick, would you come here and could we kind of come around you and pray over you? So I'll just get in really, really tight. I'll just go up here. Okay. Lord, um, who would have known about nine years ago that we would be a church of the numbers of people that we have? That was not our goal. We just wanted to know you better together. And look what you've done. And God, I pray for more. Not more out of arrogance for us, but more out of glory for you. And God, I pray for our church family. That at this just vital stage as a church ministry to where we're at, this is a time we could turn inside and get very arrogant and very selfish and very disunified. Oh, God, I would pray for your grace that we would be a unified people walking together in the manner that we've just talked about. God, I love these people in this church. Oh, my word, you've been so special to us. God, I thank you for our elders. I thank you for our pastoral staff. And God, would you help us to be equipping individuals, not grabbing glory individuals. May we stay humble before you and may the potential attraction of having more people, it just can be there to be a self-glorifying thing. Oh, God, spare us from that. And instead, may we be men who equip the body to do the work in the ministry. And God, may this body be a people who want to be equipped. And Lord, as Rick comes in and joins us on our staff to help us to be able to be better equippers, oh God, I pray for him. May he be patient. And may he go knowing that you have grace gifted him, we believe, for this role. And you're going to do a work. I believe by this that all of us are going to be better equippers because of an additional uh, man added on to in this capacity. And I pray that would happen. So, Lord, in this time of transition, as decades in the military, and then a decade and a half in executive position with Walmart. Now he's stepping into pastoral ministry. Oh God, go before him and help him. Be his rock. Be his anchor. And do far above what we could imagine. We want that for this place. We want that for these people. We want that for the west side of Indianapolis. Right, church? More for your glory, we pray, Lord. More for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.